You're listening to Earshot from WXXI News. I'm Veronica Volk. This week, at the height of the Cold War, Rochester residents built their own fallout shelters. And when we toured the house, the realtor was like, oh, I think there may be a bunker in the back. We're like, no way, what? Plus, more people are choosing the sober life and more organizations are catering to them. Where's the inclusivity for people who don't drink? And why is there this whole culture around drinking? And why aren't people thinking about people who don't drink? All that from your local news podcast, Earshot. Support for Earshot from WXXI News is provided by Rock Vox Recording and Production, presenting Legacy Cast, audio and video recordings of loved ones telling their stories for posterity. Produced in a full service studio located in Bushnell's Basin. More at ROCVOX.com. 60 years before Russia's invasion of Ukraine sparked new concerns about nuclear war. The Cuban Missile Crisis pushed the Cold War simmer to a boil, and fallout shelters began popping up in American cities and homes. The hundreds that were around Rochester are long gone, but signs of them remain, if you know where to look. City Magazine editor David Andrietta had an idea. I'm not going to lie. Knocking on a stranger's door and asking them if they know anything about a fallout shelter on their property is a little, well, weird. I mean, it's not as though fallout shelters are just lying around. Unless you're Allison and Jovan Lovada. Um, so we got the house in 2019 in December, and when we toured the house, the realtor was like, oh, I think there may be a bunker in the back. We're like, no way, what? The Lovadas live on Hartson Street, and their home is one of nine on the city of Rochester's tax rolls listed as having a fallout shelter. The cavity in their backyard has been filled in, And the only evidence that something is there underneath the lawn is a brick chimney jutting from the grass. Yeah, it's always been a joke just to say to our friends, like, you know, when World War III happens, like, you can help us dig it out, like, grab your shovel, come on over, we don't know what's underneath here, but we're ready to go. She jokes. But a recent Associated Press University of Chicago poll shows that nearly half of Americans say they are extremely or very concerned about Russia using nuclear weapons against the U.S. Once upon a time, though, Fear of a Russian nuclear attack was omnipresent. Three, two, one, These are the stakes to make a world in which... That was President Johnson warning of the perils of nuclear war in a 1964 campaign ad. Kate McBride was just a girl at the time, but she remembers those days well. You know, I remember the Cuban Missile Crisis, and I remember... It was a really scary time. And I remember being afraid of the Russians, you know? I I just, it was scary as a kid. In Rochester, there was good reason to be afraid. It was often reported that the city was a Soviet target due to its technology sector, led by the Eastman Kodak Company and Xerox. The local Office of Civil Defense reinforced this message at every turn. Rochester can be bombed, screamed the headline on the back cover of a civil defense manual on do-it-yourself fallout shelters. On the front, it read, Rochester, Target City. 
McBride's father, Jim Borden, was a Kodak engineer and a World War II veteran who saw firsthand the horrors of nuclear war in occupied Japan. He and his family lived on Nunday Boulevard, around the corner from where the Levadas now live. And amid these urgent messages of nuclear attack, he set about building a fallout shelter in their basement. And he got all these cinder blocks, and I can remember, you know, putting the cement between the cinder blocks, like helping him build it. And he really took it on as a project, and I think, you know, he, he wanted to protect his family. Outside the home, the Army Corps of Engineers determined hundreds of schools, offices, warehouses, and other buildings offered the right amount of, quote, radiation shielding, and they became public fallout shelters. Iconic signs with yellow and black triangles marking their location became ominous emblems of the times. There were once between 400 and 600 public fallout shelters in Monroe County. But where they were is anyone's guess. The county stopped manning them in the late 1970s, and a county spokesman said a map of them had been lost to time. The few fallout shelter signs left around Rochester have been corroded by age and cling to facades like kitschy relics from a long, long time ago. David Andrietta is the editor of City Magazine. A version of this story first appeared in this month's edition of City. You can pick it up on stands now or check out the article at rockcitynews.org. Hi, this is Megan Mack from WXXI. And if you're enjoying Earshot, subscribe to our other podcast, Connections with Evan Dawson. Catch up on discussions about current events, arts, politics, and interesting people. Subscribe to Connections with Evan Dawson wherever you find your podcasts. Wine, beer, and spirits. A lot of folks turned to alcohol during the pandemic for a million reasons. In fact, alcohol sales increased across the country during COVID shutdowns. But while some people found comfort in a cocktail or two, others were adamant about staying sober. My colleague Raquel Steven looked into this, and she spoke to a few people making that decision locally. She has this story. For 43-year-old DeCarlis Madison, drinking alcohol was an escape. Because it's scary to have to deal with the realities of life. You know, being sober means you have to deal with it. And this became the reality for many Americans during the COVID-19 pandemic. Alcohol sales skyrocketed by 40 percent, according to the U.S. National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism. But for Madison, the pandemic provided a vital reset button. Pandemic did a lot for a lot of people, you know, saying some good and bad, but... For me, it, it did save my life. Madison used his time in isolation during the shutdown to assess how drinking affected his life. He says booze led him to make really bad decisions, from drunk driving to altercations that put him behind bars multiple times. In the end, he was certain about one thing. I just had to leave it alone. Like Madison, more individuals are reconsidering how much they drink. As we enter a new phase in the pandemic, many are being more intentional with their sobriety. 
initiatives like Dry January, a month dedicated to not drinking, have grown in popularity. And sober bars are popping up nationwide with at least one here locally. We were like, where is the where is the inclusivity for people who don't drink? And why is why is there this whole culture around drinking? Why are there so many options? And why aren't people thinking about people who don't drink. Meg Hartman and her husband used these questions as motivation to open their alcohol-free mobile bar they named Alt Bar. Hartman says she started drinking too much herself during the pandemic, and she wanted to create an experience that was still social, but not harmful. So you have to go into it with a mindset of like, I'm going out to enjoy a really good drink, not like I'm going out to get a buzz. And that is a big shift that has to happen in your mind when you drink these. Hartman understands that this environment may be a trigger for those who are still in the early stages of recovery. We certainly don't want to push anyone back into, you know, out of recovery. And that is something that we are very intentional about. But for those looking to avoid the bar scene altogether and who may prefer a more fitness-based approach... Rock Covery is another outlet. We go camping, we go running, we, I teach a boxing class, we do kettlebell, we do like all these different things. And in the meantime, we're connecting while we're doing those things. Rock Covery Executive Director John Westfall says connecting with individuals who are on a similar journey is the most important part of this experience. I mean, we can go an entire weekend without ever talking about alcohol or substances, but there's just sort of a, a shared understanding of the difficulties. Westfall says since the pandemic, he has seen an increase in membership, but also an increase in people relapsing. He says recovery is an individual journey, and what works for one person may not work for another. For him and his team, they take it one success story at a time. It's what keeps us all energized and coming back day after day after day, because even to see one person completely turn their lives around is amazing. Raquel Steven is the health reporter for WXXI News. April is Alcohol Awareness Month. If you or someone you know is struggling with alcohol dependence, you can reach out to the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration at samhsa.gov. And that's it for Earshot. If you like what you hear, subscribe to the show to get new episodes in your feed every Friday. Rate us and leave us a review while you're there. It helps people find us. Find even more local news on our website, wxxinews.org. Music this week from Blue Dot Sessions and Poddington Bear. I'm Veronica Volk. Thanks for listening. This program is a production of member-supported WXXI Public Broadcasting, Rochester, New York.